Welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on Metroid Prime Hunters, and my guest, coming back, my favorite, your favorite, everyone's favorite, East Coast correspondent, Matt Jaguar. Hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Matt, how's it? how are you, man? Uh, like I said earlier, tired. Long night yeah. working, but hey, it has been a show. It has been much too long, not only for you to have come back on, but for the show to have come back on in general. Um, so we are. I, I'm glad to get this back in. Uh, it's it's just kind of been. Hey, I'm a little too busy. I've been uh, emailing to some developers trying to get some shows together, and and some things just haven't worked out. But um, we're able to put this one together. So I wanted to get this one in. And then, uh, and then we have some news that we'll throw in at the end, too. Uh, but we're talking about Metroid Prime Hunters here, which is not a launch game for the DS. Uh, it did, we, we did have some launch thing that came out with it. Um, is that shooting gallery? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this was, a, this was a March 2006 game uh, by Nintendo Software Technology, which is kind of their... Uh, which is kind of like a West Coast, or not West Coast, uh, Western Hemisphere. This is uh, that's an American studio, mm, much uh, like Retro, but yeah, Retro. And, and I mean, Retro, Retro made the original Metroid Prime for uh, for the GameCube, and at this time they're they're kind of working on Metroid Prime Two, and then uh, and then kind of Metroid Prime Three also here. So Echoes and Corruption. Uh, so because they were so busy, Nintendo said, well. You know, we have we have this idea. We we want to make one for the DS. That'll that'll be great. And this will show off a bunch of new features that they couldn't have done on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, I can't. Did they? Was there ever a first person shooter on the Game Boy Advance? Um, hmm, not to my knowledge. I'm trying to think really if they ever tried porting Doom or something like that. But yeah. Oh, there was that one where you were shooting. Was it Smiley Faces or something like that? Smiley Face 3D. Hmm. I'm pretty sure they have attempted. There, okay. there are definitely like 3D, uh, like that shooter game that came out uh, in the launch. Uh, I'm sure we talked about it on the launch episode, but still, the yeah. name escapes me. But yeah, I think uh, there was something. Okay. But, well, I mean, none of them have been good. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I, I Nintendo's idea was, you know, Metroid Prime seemed to be a big, big deal. Uh, it kind of got this. It was, it was a. <sighs> I don't want to say hardcore or casual because with first-person shooters, it was it got a more mainstream audience than a Metroid game ever got before. Well, you have to understand, like this was the first time that they took Metroid into a first-person setting, mm-hmm. and when first of that, the news of that first came out, people, the fans just freaked because like, how could you do this? Metroid's like 2D. How can you? You can't jump. You can't platform in a 3D or at a first-person shooter game. It's just it sucks. And Prime came out and proved everybody wrong. It actually did it pretty much groundbreaking things as, like, not just a first-person shooter, but it was more of a first-person adventure. His shooting wasn't, like, it was there, but it wasn't, like, a free dual-stick kind of game. It was more like GoldenEye controls. You use the main uh, analog stick to go back, forward, strafe, left, and right. And then you would have to aim with the R button or lock on. And uh, I, I thought that worked really well for what it was. And, you know, some people had some problems with, but you know, once you got past it, it just like the platforming was just amazing in that game uh, for what it was. Yeah, I, I mean, most people would agree with you. I think that was a, a really, uh, really critically acclaimed game, and I, I believe it sold pretty well too. If they made two more after that, um, and it really got retro the this uh, this fame that they have now. Um, which I feel like they're kind of wasting a little bit with uh, the Donkey Kong, uh, the new Donkey Kong games. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they set a real high bar when they sure. uh, started off. So And those are still solid games. Like, to, to, to take away nothing from Retro, those are, those are really well-made games. It's just I don't think people mm-hmm. – I, I, I think there is a good amount of gamers out there who don't want to see Retro wasting their time making another Donkey Kong platformer when they could do something really cool. Uh, like Star Fox. <laughs> I just want somebody to make Star Fox. You want a new Star? I do. I want a new Star Fox as well too. I'm almost uh, on the verge of like finding an old copy of uh, Assault, even though I heard that game sucks. But yeah, that's. Uh... Or find uh, Command, which I also heard was eh, all right. I I kind of liked Assault. I really hate Command, and mm. and that makes me sad because I think 
with better controls, Command could be a really good game. Uh, and and that's, uh, I mean, that's they used touch controls, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and they're uh, really bad. And you can't you can't go to just buttons. Um, you know, what? maybe I'll just find an SNES copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Command Command actually really deserves its own show uh, because I, I know it was built off of uh, old ideas that didn't make it in for Star Fox 2 mm-hmm. uh, that they were thinking of for uh, the Super Nintendo because they 64 came out and then everyone was all all about the 3D graphics and come on let's let's make Star Fox 64. Yeah, they um, kind of rolled everything into like Star Fox 64 and then Command 2. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we that. God, that would be so cool to do a show on that. Anyway, that's another time. Uh, right now we're talking about Metroid Prime Hunters, and I think this this game had a, a somewhat similar issue uh, with controls, uh, something that wasn't actually taken care of until really the, the very last minute uh, at, right before it came out. Um, so we kind of we kind of hinted at it before, but uh, this was not a launch game with the DS. The DS came out in 2004, uh, this game came out in 2006. But what happened was that uh, Nintendo did want to get something out there uh, with, with Metroid Prime because they, they had been kind of hyping it up. People were excited about it. It showed off uh, a way of playing games on a handheld uh, system that had never been done before uh, with, this, with this kind of first-person idea. So uh, we, did, we got this kind of demo-y... I mean, it's a demo. Uh, it was called Metroid Prime Hunter's First Hunt. It's great name. <laughs> um, and uh, so it was released uh, when the DS was launched, and it, it was more or less a, a single-player tutorial uh, that kind of had, uh, that you just ran through and you, you figured out how to play the game, and then it dumped you into some local multiplayer mode. It was a shooting gallery, basically. Yeah, really. Uh, they, they didn't, I don't think they had their full complement of characters in there yet. Uh, no, it was just those green, uh, I forget the name of the enemy type, but it's those green jellyfish that just float around yeah. uh, at random points during the game in the single player. Yeah. And that was basically it. Uh, like, I, I play the demo in the store sometimes and would be like, uh, you know what, I'm going to hold off from getting a <laughs> DS if this is one of the games that they're coming out with. Because like, the control scheme was pretty weird in itself that you uh, used uh, the either the D-pad or the face buttons to move around, which, which you know, made sense. Mm-hmm. But then you would shoot by tapping and jump by pressing the R or the L button, depending on which uh, which uh, preference you had for which uh, hand configuration you wanted. Right. And it just it felt like just too weird. And also the fact that they were taking a Metroid game and trying to focus make like more an emphasis on combat, which you know, the Metroid games were always fun, but it's just, you know, it never was like a strong suit. Yeah, it, definitely not. Uh, so it was, I think it was well received at this point because it, it's 2004 that they showed it off the, for the first time at E3 and it was just kind of, hey guys, this is a thing and it'll, it'll be a thing. It, it's not, it'll come out next year. Uh, and people went, oh, okay, well, you're still working on it and it looks cool. And, you know, we like Metroid Prime, so we'll, we'll trust you on this one. Uh, so E3 2005 comes, uh, and the game's shown again, and, uh, people are not as excited or, or optimistic about it anymore. Uh, I think you have a, a particular quote, uh, if you would like to share. Yeah, uh, I remember one of my old EGMs had, uh, that's Electronic Gaming Monthly. They did a little kind of previews build. Back in, uh, this was from August 2005 issue, so probably around September. Or, I know it's not September, uh, July or June, whenever that issue would come out. And it's uh, issue 194. And they have a little metric for some of the games they saw. I guess at E3 it had uh, their Space Invaders logo, the, or their you know, borrowed logo, the Space Invaders uh, alien. And they had a metric from awesome, good, so-so, and terrible. It's back when previews kind of had this sort of almost an air of reviewness, but don't call it a review. I'm sure you remember those. Yeah. Uh, that sort of era of gaming media, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so they did preview Metroid Prime Hunters, uh, but it was only, like, a very small paragraph. In fact, like, just two sentences uh, that Mark McDonald had to write about it. Uh, if you want me to, I can read it right now if you want. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right, so... 
Uh, he, and I quote, what would you call a portable version of Metroid Prime's 2 craptacular deathmatch game if it had different characters and new modes, but made opponents tougher to find, no online multiplayer, only local Wi-Fi, and featured maddening controls? Nintendo calls it Metroid Prime Hunters, but I have a better name for it, Blah. And that is signed M.M. Mark McDonald. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and it was pretty much kind of panned universally when it showed at E3 that year mm-hmm. and kind of caused a little bit of an uproar, uh, kind of on the topic of reviews versus previews uh, for a little bit, too. Definitely, and, and the big, I mean, the big point uh, in that in that kind of preview, I guess two things. One is the lack of online multiplayer, mm-hmm. which is something Nintendo actually took to heart and said, all right, let's let's get this in there. And they ended up delaying the game uh, just to implement the online multiplayer. Um, and we'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. And then and then the controls, which uh, I don't know if at that time they were still screwing around with them. I would imagine so. Um, but uh, we talked about how the controls... Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the controls before, but the, the controls we ended up with uh, were, uh, I, I feel like, much better. I, I thought, oh, actually, yeah, the game controls pretty decently. Tapping to jump is definitely vastly superior than like, tapping to fire uh, yeah, your you, weapon. You've got a uh, shoot on your on your left or, or right um, triggers, depending on which configuration you do, left-handed or right-handed. Um, they, they do put a lot of information down on the touchscreen that you have to tap to change your weapon type uh, or to change into your morph ball form. Um, but then movement is on the is on the D-pad, and then you're looking with the actual um, with the actual touchscreen uh, using the stylus, and and it kind of works. It it kind of works for a while, and then my hands get tired. Yeah, get that <laughs> little uh, like hand cramp slash uh, numbness in your hand, especially. I was playing on my I DSI, and mm-hmm. yeah, when when you get like in a comfortable position, you can, it actually kind of works, but. Yeah, I kind of was like, maybe I should dig out my DS Fat and get some more, like, you know, grippage on it. But oh, God, yeah. uh, by that time, I beat the game. So. I, I had the DS Fat, and I was playing it on that, and it just was rough. And mm-hmm. and going back and playing it, I was playing it on... Uh, I played it on both my uh, DSi XL and then my 3DS XL. And it feels a lot better there, but I, I feel like I have more system to hold. And uh, I'm not just kind of cramping my hands around this thing to try to make it work yeah um, I, I wonder if uh the two how the 2ds would work with this actually yeah that's that's interesting what i do i do like about using the touchscreen to like aim and shoot it has this very nice like fidelity to it it's very sensitive and you can actually pull off some good shots that you wouldn't like on a dual stick mm-hmm. setup and uh yeah i think that would actually it, it's a shame like they don't do really play make games like this anymore uh like first person shooters for handhelds right I mean, it's it's still something to this day that, that people yeah. are struggling with. Uh, we'll, we'll get into I mean, <laughs> not not to say we're going to get into everything later, but uh, that that is something that we will get into later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with with those types of controls, it's it's always a weird thing. Of is it where where is it in relation to uh, or where is it on the spectrum between controller and uh, mouse and keyboard? Mm-hmm. And it's it's somewhere in the middle there, yeah. And it I has mean, like, some advantages and disadvantages because, like you said, you can do more precision shots uh, sometimes. But I think in general, it might be kind of a muddier experience that uh, I'd prefer to have a controller for. But it's it's tough. But it, but it yeah. kind of works for for the system that it's on. And if everyone's playing that way, then I guess it's kind of fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't come anywhere close to, like, the fidelity of a keyboard and mouse uh, using WASD and uh, sure. mouse shooting. Right. But it comes close, and it's, I think it does a little better than what the Wii tried to do, uh, which is was promised to be more, like, better than keyboard and mouse, but it really never really got to that point. Yeah. But it was still interesting, and uh, I, I don't hate dual analog stick. Like, I, I played fucking... Medal of Honor, the first one that came out, and mm-hmm. basically that was like one of the first dual analog stick games. Like, wow, this is actually uh, not as good as PC gaming, but still, it works. It's better than GoldenEye, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just you know now it's more of like it's been this just it's 
reliance on auto lock and all these other things. I'm like, yeah, it's getting there. It's, you know, it's fun, but you know, it's, it's not a challenge. Right. Uh, so that was the controls, but then, uh, they were also going back to implement the online multiplayer, um, which, which I think was a really good decision. Uh, because it, it, it turned out being okay. I really like the online multiplayer uh, of this game. Uh, it it had voice chat, kind of? Like, yeah, with friends. Uh, I never got to try it. I did get one multiplayer match in, because uh, the old uh, Nintendo Wi-Fi connections don't take uh, the latest security measures, so you have to either turn it off or use WEP or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's... Actually, pretty for what the technology was at the time, to have voice over IP and have like a four-player deathmatch uh, over the internet. I was able able to find one person right away and play against them. I didn't get my ass handed to me, but still. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now we're in we're in 2014. This game originally came out in 2006. I know. Uh, so so for there to be anybody on there is kind of a feat, even mm-hmm. though. There, there is some reason that people would be on it right now, and that yeah. is that the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection is about to uh, go under. Nintendo is just uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, they they said, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna turn off the server stuff for uh, the DS and Wii online multiplayer functions, or all, I, just all online functions. I just got last story too. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, I, I just was going to go back and play Dragon Quest Nine and, and try to play all those oh, download yeah. missions. Oh, yeah, got a chance to play Dragon Quest Nine and all that shit. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny that all this shit that we take for granted, and it's going to be gone. Yeah. It, it, hey, yeah, it, it's weird. I, I will miss watching people so obviously cheat in Mario Kart DS and, yeah. and win pretty much instantly. I know, I know we're going on a tangent, but this is still like kind of relevant to the Nintendo Wi-Fi. But it was so cool being able to open my DS and play Mario Kart or Tetris online in my bed before I went to bed or went to sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just want to play a few races. And you would find people, uh, even though the friend codes was just a bass awkward kind of way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it didn't have the be- latest technology to do everything great like the, I guess, the PSP tried to do or it wasn't Xbox Live. But still, like, for a handheld, we didn't get any multiplayer, like, wireless multiplayer or internet multiplayer up to that point. And this was still a time before the iPhone, so right. uh, it's pretty crazy and pretty, uh, like, you know, I was always smiling when I was playing these games. Like, <laughs> I'm playing video games in my bed on the internet. This is awesome. <laughs> but to be fair, like when when is the last time you actually played online before this podcast for Metroid Prime Hunters? Oh God, never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it's been it's been so long. It, it, it's more like just like street passing and stuff like that now, and that works too. Sure. I, I mean, you can. Uh, there's still online modes for uh, Mario Kart Seven on the 3DS if you want to still play some Mario Kart. And I'm sure, hopefully, when Brawl comes out, it might actually be a little better than... Or not Brawl. Uh, yeah, whatever the next Smash Brothers is, yeah. It's better than Brawl. I mean, I remember trying to play matches with my friends uh, from college on the Wii, and it just it just pitiful. <laughs> it just never really worked. Well, it has to have Lucas in it before I say it's better than Brawl. Uh, oh! <laughs> Lucas is my jam. That's, that's my character. You're hoping, man. Uh, they're, they're getting a little too close. You know, they need you know, to announce those fucking characters. They're going to split up the roster, right? They're going to split it up between the DS and the Wii, and Lucas is going to be on one of them. Well, I'll, I'm I'm probably going to buy both but, versions. But <laughs> they're going to put tripping in the one. Oh God, no! <laughs> no, I I heard that. I I still hope this stays true. They took tripping out entirely. Ugh, uh, no. I, I just hope. <laughs> I feel like we're so close to that game, and we still don't know a whole hell of a lot about it. Well, I mean, I, I thought it was supposed to come out like May or something like that, but now that's Mario Kart, so it's, you know, yeah. slowly been pushed back. I guess you probably see it, like, come fall or something like that. Maybe. But yeah. who knows? More at E3. I need that game. That's always. I need that game. Um, so uh, we've got controls figured out. Now they've put in online multiplayer. During this time of, of implementing the online multiplayer, uh, NST, Nintendo Software Technology, uh, they, I guess, uh, Retro had put out Metroid Prime 2 uh, and were starting work on Metroid Prime 3, so they had a little bit of time. Um, and Metroid Prime 2 also had a multiplayer mode, as Mark McDonald pointed out, mm-hmm. which was, like, pretty much just the 
textbook example of just tacked on. Just yeah. like, we need, we need something multiplayer-like, but, uh, oh yeah, the GameCube doesn't really do online all that much. So, But hey, we got to put it in, in something. I mean, everyone loves Halo. <laughs> yeah. It's Metroid Prime 2. Halo 2 has multiplayer. We better have <laughs> multiplayer in it. And uh, I never really played it on the GameCube for the multiplayer, mm. but like... I can't imagine how <laughs> locking onto your friends and like trying to circle strafe them and jumping around all the time would be fun. But uh, I guess Nintendo thought so, and so Retro to do it, <laughs> or Retro thought it'd be a good idea. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I know that that uh, NST definitely talked to Retro and collaborated a little bit uh, mm-hmm. to try to fit their. Uh, they they revamped a whole lot of the game, uh, a lot of the graphics stuff. Um, during this delay to implement the online multiplayer. So they, they brought in uh, some retro guys to help with uh, just kind of bringing the theme into the Metroid Prime universe. Uh, I think Samus got a, a new suit out of the deal uh, to, to just kind of get it redesigned to make it more look more like the uh, Metroid Prime suit mm-hmm. uh, instead of what they had before, which I guess was some nondescript Varia suit, whatever. Um. But and they uh, increased the frame rate and, and just I mean they they apparently did a whole lot of work to it and I think it really paid off because it it turned out to be a pretty decent game and it was reviewed pretty well uh, across the board I think uh, I not that Metacritic or game rankings matters that much but the the last <laughs> thing I saw was something like eighty five percent so yeah. that's you know for a, for a DS game that did something really crazy. Uh, in that it was first person, uh, that that's pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, like two, uh, uh, I guess. Well, connection with EGM, but One Up gave it a B uh, mm-hmm. on their site, and Shane, different people, but Shane Bettenhausen uh, definitely enjoyed it, the game as itself. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I have to say, I did play through the entire single player campaign, and while it's not exactly up to par with the Prime games, like any of them, at least in my opinion, and kind of, you know, still is far behind any of the 2D ones. It does have these very nice uh, graphical flourishes to it. Uh, something like, it almost would look like if this was Metroid Prime on the N64, which I think they at one point had tried doing that in development. I think you're right, yeah. Like, I remember seeing these screens, I don't know if these were ever verified, but they looked very... Much they built very muddy and very like it's like oh this looks like Metroid Prime but <laughs> this looks like an N sixty four game but the, like the DS did do some very neat little like kind of little extra effects on this like uh, I don't know if you ever got hit with like a yellow energy ball in this game like the uh, yeah Can- yellow I always Candon's forget the name kind of, the of homing thing yeah yeah and then the screen just goes in like this very like crazy little wavy haze with this uh, crazy sound effect that actually was really, kind of cool <laughs> i get hit on purpose uh, kind of an effect <laughs> of like touch fuzzy get dizzy oh. and, and it kind of had that like touch of what metroid prime would do like when you got hit uh and you had your x-ray uh visor up you would see through your hand if you put your hand up and you'd see the you know the bones and Samus's armor and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there was also, like, you know, some nice lighting effects, some really, like, just nice use of textures and colors. Although it did look like faraway objects looked very, pretty much like just a glob of sprites and yeah. uh, weird polygons. Uh, and then there's also, like, uh, part of the game takes place on four planets, at least as far as a single player. Uh, as far as the story, you're trying to... Uh, Figure out the origin of this message, uh, distress signal, and uh, I'm going to have to pull up the Wikipedia page for this because I have <laughs> no idea who, what, and where this play takes place as far as the Metroid games uh, are right. concerned. I think it's like somewhere in between all the Prime games. It, yeah, it's presented as a side story between Prime and Prime 2, uh, though it really doesn't have anything to do with either of those games, so it can kind of fit in anywhere. It just happens kind of in the Prime universe um now kind of the way you talked about metroid prime 2 having this really tacked on multiplayer i would i would say the exact opposite about uh hunters i feel like the the multiplayer is what they were really working on and then they said oh well yeah let's put in a campaign because i certainly don't remember anything about the story uh, I, you you just played through it so you can have a little bit better idea but then again you're going to a wiki 
Um, so I, I, I mean, just for the story, I mean, like, you know, I can only remember so much sometimes, yeah. but still, uh, yeah, you're trying to figure out the, uh, origin of the, uh, uh, I'll, Imbic race, which is this race of beings, uh, you know, more of the names that I'm having trouble remembering, mm-hmm. but uh, they pretty much sealed away. It, it, stop me if this all sounds familiar out there if you played a Metroid <laughs> game. They try to contain this uh, giant power that they created, and in order to stop it, Samus has to collect a bunch of artifacts, which uh, unlocked uh, the final boss. Uh, along the way, though, she runs into these other hunters, which I found interesting because it kind of adds a bit to more to the mythology of, like, the, the Metroid universe, I guess, but other hunters in the game that are, like, sort of bounty hunters, but uh, almost like space pirates, but they're not really space pirates. And they kind of stop you in the way uh, and are also used in the multiplayer games, like other skins and things like that, which uh, also interesting. You unlocked as you played the single-player game, I think, right? Right, and that is really the only reason I went through the single-player uh-huh. at all. And I think when I actually unlocked the, the last bounty hunter uh, option, I kind of stopped playing because you mm-hmm. keep going through the single player and then you just kind of refight those hunters as like more boss fights. Yeah, but uh, what I think it's a shame because there are, uh, even though there are only four planets and you do a lot of backtracking per Metroid games, mm-hmm. but they're like the first half to these levels, you find one artifact, uh, you have to collect three different smaller artifacts to get the uh, uh, octolith at the end of the level, basically. And uh, what would happen is you go back and you would find, uh, get to other places by getting different weapons, unlocking different doors, basically red car, key card, red door. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is you get to these other areas and the level design just seemed to open up to these better possibilities the uh, Celestial Archives, for example, has this whole section that is just this tore-down, uh, de- decre- decrepit space station that uh, looks kind of cool, actually, uh, for what you know, the technology has. And uh, even, like, uh, some of the other later levels have this just more personality to them that, like, the first half of the game... I felt was very lacking, and uh, it's kind of a shame that you didn't get to these parts, because they're actually kind of cool. Well, okay, tell me this, does, because I, I feel like I did get to those, in that they're the multiplayer maps. Uh, probably. I did play one multiplayer map, and yes, there it was ripped, basically, from one of the uh, levels itself. So, yeah, yes, they're, you they're all, com- across some of these. I, I know for a fact that all of the multiplayer maps are, are ripped straight from the single player, but yeah, uh, whether, uh, whether or not how much they are opened up or, or do other things with, uh, I, I seem to kind of remember some things that you're talking about when it, when it comes to the, like, like there would be a section that is yes. kind of blocked off, but then now when you come back, you're able to go through all of it and yeah, it's more like an arena. And there were, were parts in the game, the single player, where you would face hunters there or you'd face these things called guardians, which were a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, although when you got the sniper rifle, it was oddly satisfying getting a, a headshot and killing them in one shot. Uh, but, yeah, they were definitely more of like arena-type areas. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but the, no, there were some definitely some nice little extra side places, uh, some nice little graphical effects and some nice uh, art direction, I have to say. Uh, really impressive, but it's all all this like back end and stuff. Plus, you added the two bosses that you always face at the end of the level, which are basically all these the same. Either a giant eyeball that you have to stop that gets a little tougher as the game goes on, or a big tower of eyeballs that you have to shoot <laughs> and gets tougher as the game goes on. Uh, you know, it did, it got really old fast and kind of you know, I was like, where's the variety? You know, there's a couple of mini bosses, and then the hunters are very, you know, they all are pretty much the same, but they all have a different sort of uh, attack to them. Uh, yeah, I think, like, but as you know, as far as a single player, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't hate it. Not the, my favorite Metroid game, but uh, definitely, you know, I got to the end of it, and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I, sh- I should really go back and give it another shot, but uh, I-, I think what, what really it was that I liked the multiplayer a whole hell of a lot, so I just mm-hmm. ended up playing a much, much more of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't play it online a bunch because I, I, even at that time, I still didn't really like playing games online. Um, I think that was one of the better experiences, though, because they, uh, I, I don't know, it just kind of worked, and and I had enough separation from 
human players that it didn't feel like I was going through a bunch of uh, garbage, like when I'm playing a game of Call of Duty or something like that. Um, but I played a bunch of bot matches. Uh, I, I thought the uh, the AI is not fantastic in the game, but um, it, it's fun enough that if I'm on a car trip and I can get a couple games of Metroid Prime in, that was... That was pretty fun. Uh, yeah. I really, I really liked the the different hunters. I think uh, how many of them were there? Six, I want to say. Yeah, about that. Yeah. It, it pretty much was for each weapon that you got. So yeah, six. Yeah, there there's six, uh, not including Samus. Um, mm-hmm. And and they all played. I mean, they all played basically the same, but they had enough variety that uh, trying trying them out, you kind of had an idea of oh. You see, you see that hunter coming at you. You kind of have uh, get a. You can make a game plan around it, knowing knowing what they're probably going to use. Uh, now, in the multiplayer, uh, you can you can get every special weapon. Each of the bounty hunters has their own signature special weapon, except for Samus, um, who uh, she gets uh, her missiles home in, whereas nobody else has homing missiles. Um, but everybody else has. Uh, a different morph ball form that that does different things, and then a different uh, extra power weapon. So, um, like, I don't I don't want to go listing all of them here, but uh, you <laughs> no, know. I I hardly remember the names. Though I do remember the one that had the uh, oh the red one that had the sniper rifle. Yeah, trace. There, yes, trace. The, their uh, morph ball is basically like, like they have this like insect quality to them, mm-hmm. like, just a very strange alien like form and it basically just gets out and it's like crawling around and then to like you know it's attack mode is like uh i basically just lunging at you yeah it's it's very alien uh and and very great i forgot what the name of that race is it's kind of weird how much uh lore they packed into this uh, Mm -hmm. without and that just didn't go anywhere because you none of these characters have shown up anywhere else uh i think one character's ship kind of was in Metroid Prime two or three, uh, but not not even really that. Like, I mean, it, Metroid Prime three did add a few other bounty hunters to mm-hmm. the game, and it took like more of a cinematic approach to the uh, Metroid formula as far as like story was concerned. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still have yet to beat Metroid Prime three. Uh, I feel. I feel obligated to go back and beat Metroid Prime 2 before I actually get further into that <laughs> game. So, But, uh, it, you know, it, it kind of was trying to copy Halo, trying to go for a more cinematic approach. Uh, right or wrong, doesn't matter. Uh, but, yeah, I was really uh, interested in how they added more to this whole universe by adding the Hunters and a little bit. Now, not a whole lot of backstory, but it definitely adds a little more flourish to... Uh, Kind of like, it, there's not a whole lot known about the Metroid universe itself. There's a comic book that was in, in Nintendo Power, and then all the games themselves do line up in a timeline. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I read the wiki, it, you know, this also, uh, it takes place between Prime 1 and Prime uh, 2. So uh, it's definitely a more concrete timeline than, say, Zelda. Well, hey, Zelda has a whole book of a timeline. I know, and so I love it, too. That's, that's pretty that's, concrete. I... I I have that book. I have not actually read anything about it. I need to. <laughs> I, I keep seeing that book. I really got to pick it up. It's. An, it, it, I flipped through it. It's a nice book. Yeah, it is a really nice piece of a thing they made, and they should do it for, I mean, hell, they should do it for all their games. That mm-hmm. would be awesome. Yeah, um, I'd love a Metroid one. Oh, my God. That'd be so amazing. But, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I mean, there, there's this information here that they just, they, they give you little tidbits. Like, uh, like we were talking about Trace, the alien, the, the red alien that does the sniper attack and, and has the launching melee kind of thing for our launching much, melee. Pretty much the face hugger. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And, well, and like, that whole race is all about conquering the galaxy one planet at a time. And uh, you see, like, in the beginning cutscene, uh, before the t- game title is like there's like a bunch of them like they're like driver ants that just like attack in this hive i'm just like wow mm-hmm. that's like crazy and like you don't really learn more about them after that right and and Candon, who who shoots those big uh, big homing shots that that mm-hmm. jiggle the screen when you get hit with them he is like some super mutant uh who's been genetically modified and he's I mean, they all, all of them get the same call 
Mm -hmm. uh, the same distress signal, and that's why all these hunters are coming in, and they all have their own reason for wanting to come and claim this power that apparently they can find, which yep. I'm, I'm guessing, only guessing here, uh, the power ends up being just a big boss that yeah. they end up having to fight. Yep, pretty much. Like, you get these warnings every time you pick up an octolith, which I didn't catch because it's on the bottom screen until halfway through the game. Oh, yeah. But it tells you pretty much, you know, the hint on where to go next. And what's also interesting about this game is like, it's also one of the Metroids that doesn't really give you a hint on where you have to go next. Mm. Uh, they've been doing that since about uh, Metroid Prime, I would say, and uh, definitely in Fusion a whole lot. It kind of felt really hand-holdy. But, uh, yeah, this one, it never tells you where to go next other than, like, very hint, pretty much hints in the text and everything, which, you know, you have to do a lot of scanning. It's a Metroid Prime game, so if you want to get more of, like, a backstory to what's going on, you got to read and figure out uh, who the... Uh, uh, you always keep thinking the Alembic races and who they are and why they, uh, you know, fell. It's pretty much just replace Alembic for Chozo or whatever. Yeah, uh, that's, I think, I feel like in uh, NST kind of just changed a lot of names just so they didn't have to worry about canon. I mean, it's pretty much rooted in Metroid by the end of the game. There's a secret boss fight that is a lot like the end of Metroid Prime, where you get an overpowered weapon. Not as cool, but you know, not a, it's not really a hard fight either. But still, yeah. uh, pretty much try and true to the formula. Yeah, it, it's actually interesting how different this game is from other Metroid games. Uh, yeah, even even different from Primes. Like this is uh, there there aren't actually Metroids in this game. No Metroids, no space pirates except for one in the beginning uh, cutscene where Samus is fighting a space pirate. Yeah, no Ridley. Does. No Ridley, no Mother Brain. No, no Kraid. Kraid, none of that. Uh, no power-ups other than your weapons, and that's it. Yeah, it's, you, you don't I, get, a, you don't get really another wish, suit. I really fucking wish they gave it double jump, though. Like, my God, why didn't they give me a fucking <laughs> double jump in this game? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no no suit upgrades, no no different suits. Uh, no screw attack, right? Yeah, uh, and but the, you didn't you didn't get Metroided at the beginning of the game. You had all your <laughs> basic uh, abilities. You had your charge shot. You had your morph ball. You had your power bombs. You had your Vera suit, even though it didn't really matter. Although you started at base health, but that's you know it's the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, still collected energy tanks. Still collected missile power ups. All your ammo, though, was tied to ba just, like, one uh, ammo bank, basically, for all your different types of special ammo. Right. And that actually, I mean, I, I feel like that is a thing that was made for the multiplayer and, mm -hmm. and then just added into the single player. Of, That's oh, a really well, smart yeah, idea, course. because if I felt if this game came out, like, five years earlier at that time, it would have had, like, different ammo for different weapon types. Yeah. And, and even when I went back to play some of it, I, I was getting that feeling of, Oh, well, now I've used all my uh, cryo ammo because there's one of the characters that has these frozen shots. And then I thought, well, I'll, I'll go to the big uh, fiery bomb shots that this big rock guy does. And uh, when I tried to go over, it was like, no, you're, you're still out of ammo. And I went, oh, oh, that's right. This game only has the one special ammo counter, and that's, that's actually great. Then that mm -hmm. makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so you really you really have to pick what weapon you're using based on the uh, based on the situation. So uh, using Trace's sniper beam, uh, they, obviously you want to try to get somewhere high and you want to try to uh, get Aim some space that. around. There was uh, there's one multiplayer map. It's the the lava one um, that I, I can't remember where the names of any of these things or any of that. Probably um, on the planet. I'll, uh, Alinos or whatever <laughs> sci-fi name. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there's just this one big pyramid in the middle of the stage, and if you're if if you're Trace or if you're you know, anybody who finds the sniper ammo, you just sit on there and you take down everybody, and yeah. unless you have the sniper ammo and find that guy and can shoot him from wherever you are, because you'll see him. Mm -hmm. uh, that was that was my jam. That was. That was when I was winning Metroid Prime games uh, of multiplayer, uh, even online, and that, that felt really good. Yeah. 
I mean, it's interesting that, like, in the multiplayer, it's different ammo, but in the single player, it's all one type of ammo, which I think is smart because it made it less of a hassle mm-hmm. trying to get all these different types of uh, different weapon, ammo types of not becoming, like, a Donkey Kong 64 collectathon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, in the multiplayer, the the big difference is uh, instead of... Instead of, like, Halo or Call of Duty where you're going... Well, instead of, like, Halo where you're going around to find the power weapons, you you go around in uh, Metro Farm Hunters to find the ability to use the power weapons. Yeah. And then it's all about collecting the, the special ammo. Uh, and so it really gives you... It really has more of an emphasis on living. And if you can survive longer to pick up more of the different types of power weapons, then you're going to do better because you can adapt to the situations easier. Mm. Um, and, and that kind that was really helpful because there's, there's one, there's, there's a type of ammo that's more of like a rapid fire, uh, that, that hits with some more powerful shots. I mean, your, your regular charge shot is, is probably the one that goes the fastest, but it doesn't mm. have as a powerful thing. No, and, not, not as big of a kick. You could never finish a boss with that uh, later in the game with that. Right. And I, I mean, one has a, some kind of like electricity that I wouldn't say homes in, but it kind of tethers to people. Uh, yeah. If you, you have can to be keep close. the tether up. Like, pretty much like the flamethrower without being a flamethrower. Yeah. So it, it was, it was an interesting choice that they that they let you have access to all the weapons no matter what character you were in the multiplayer because in the in the single player um, I mean I guess Samus collects them as as she goes on but um, it's I feel like it would have added it would have made them more special to have well you know if if there's going to be a sniper out there it's going to be Trace mm-hmm. uh, but I, I that's probably a balanced thing. Uh, that I'm sure they tried and thought, well, it's it's unfair for only Trace to have sniper ammo uh, because then how does how does anybody stop that if he finds that perch? Yeah, um, it, de- it definitely gives it like this almost like a fighting game quality mm-hmm. that uh, it depends on what character you choose and that's your sort of move set. Yeah, the, so the so the real difference comes in. Uh, I mean, hit boxes into a into a certain extent because there are characters that definitely are a lot bigger than other characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the morph balls, and the morph balls are very specific to each character. So Samus yeah. will have her uh, kind of regular bombs that she will she'll roll out. Um, Trace we talked about uh, doesn't have a bomb. He ha- instead uh, does the lunging melee attack. Um, the the one who shoots the electric beam, Silux, uh, th- that was my favorite character to use in multiplayer because with Silux you could throw down three bombs and the bombs would tether to each other and they would create these electric traps. That so if anyone walked through it, the bombs would have a proximity effect to them and that would be great. But then Silux could also basically fly. Like every time you put down a bomb. <laughs> you would uh, bounce up a little bit. And there was uh, one particular stage when you talked about that abandoned space station uh, that had just lower gravity everywhere. You literally could fly around the level of Silux because you could just bounce off of your own bombs and mm-hmm. in your morph ball mode. And no one would ever hit you because it's a kind of a big level and there was only a four-player max and you were a really small morph ball and you were just flying around really fast. Uh, you wouldn't get any kills that way, so I, I guess it all kind of evens out. But it's not an exploit, man. It's a feature. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, you probably should be able to do that, Samus too. I mean, that's one of the temples of Metroid Two is the bomb jump. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. I, how how much more uh, do you think there is to say about this? Because I, I, I mean, it, it's an interesting game. I don't know. Like as I said, I probably would still. I still haven't played Other M. I have the game, but mm-hmm. it's still. Uh, remaining in my backlog. I'll get to it at some point. But, uh, yeah, I still would put this on a lower level than every other Metroid game that I've played, which is pretty much Metroid, Metroid 2. Return of Samus would probably be on that same level. Uh, just because, well, I mean, the, the, neither of these games are bad games. So mm-hmm. I'll make that clear. They're definitely very good games in what they do and what they try to achieve. Uh, this one, like, it definitely pushes some of the hardware for what it did at the time. Uh, for something on the DS, I, I was actually really surprised with some of the effects that it has in the game later on, too. 
mm-hmm. uh, and some of the design choices and the art choices that they decided to use. Um, although the basically the kind of I wouldn't say lack of variety, but it did feel like a lack of variety of uh, areas to go visit and go to, and the first half kind of kind of just being a little bit of a prod and just like uh, this. This area just looks like a fighting arena, and this looks like a fighting arena, and mm-hmm. this is repeating itself, which I, the first Metroid Prime had this very great sense of making every single room very unique, and I, that our team must have spent a long time getting every detail, because they had, there was just so much painstaking detail in every single level and room in that game, it was just incredible. Uh, and you saw a little bit of that the second half of Hunters, uh, which, you know, I appreciate it for that. i kind of glad I got to that those points. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, I'm, you know, I beat it. I'm glad I beat it. I kind of felt at times like, you know, I played enough of this, but, right. you know, might as well see it through. I mean, I don't want to cheapen what NST did because I, I think, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway. It kind of feels like a tech demo. And and honestly, that's okay because it, uh, it came out early enough. Well, it's it's a it's a show of what the system can do. That, that there weren't these first person shooter kind of ideas. It really pushed a lot of the graphical stuff. But when it comes down to the game part, it's a little thin on the content. It repeats a whole lot of stuff. Um, and I mean, they I feel like they wanted to make a multiplayer arena shooter, and and then they kind of added a single player to it. To be fair, and this is in the same issue, uh, Electronic Game Monthly, the reviews, Coded Arms came out for the PSP uh, that month, mm-hmm. alongside of uh, one of your favorite, uh, Meteos. Yeah. And one of my favorites, and uh, Kirby's Canvas Curse. Uh, two of those games got medals. Yeah. Uh, one of those games averaged uh, a, a low uh, five. <laughs> I can guess which one. Yeah. So, I mean, like, first-person shooters on mobiles, I think this is actually probably one of the best that they have done, other than, I don't know, putting, like, Silent Scope or... Um, I don't, is there anything comparable on a on an iPad or iOS or Android or anything like that? Sure. That is that is a rough call. I, I There have been. I have played I mean, a we're couple... Not, the controllers are coming out that have, like, dual analog sticks, but do you think anyone's going to actually buy those just right, to play yeah. I, a, a, a random free-to-play game or something like that that's a first-person shooter? I don't know. There uh, will be people out there. I am not one of those people that is not something that will ever catch mainstream appeal. Okay, will it either make money or will it be good? It's one of those two things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it... Yeah, it is one of the best first-person shooter games on a handheld system. I don't know if that is... <laughs> I don't know if that is really that much of an accomplishment. Other than, other like like I said before, other than like getting hand cramps and things like that, it proves that it could work with a touchscreen almost better than a uh, dual analog stick. Absolutely, which is, which is why I kind of say it's a tech demo. I, I feel like it showed people what that system could do. And it showed people that it was uh, possible, that, that these things were feasible. It might have changed their thinking a little bit. And ultimately, that's how we get a game like Moon that came out for the DS uh, much later, I want to say. I, I didn't play a whole lot of Moon, but it was another first-person shooter that had similar controls. And, and there, there was also a horror game that had two games, too. Dementium the Warder? No, not the Warder. Uh, oh, what was it called? It's like a first-person horror game. Yeah, I, I watched uh, somebody some else play it. Too. I, I can't remember the name either, but yeah, you're right. Uh, so, But those games got were really critically well-received. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, it those games there's, wouldn't have come out if Metroid Prime Hunters hadn't come out. Yeah, there's just something also a little different to say between uh, like first-person atmospheric single-player games and something that's trying to go for more of a deathmatch feel. Mm-hmm. Like, something that's trying to pull off, like, a Quake 3 or uh, or an Unreal Tournament or something like that, which is what I really think Metroid Prime Hunters tried to do. Right. And I, I definitely think, yeah, I understand why you say it's, like, a tech demo. I definitely think it's a little better than a tech demo, especially after they went back and redid it. Okay, Probably the original version would probably be definitely the, the tech demo side of it. And I guess what they had... 
it's not like they could have go, gone back and scrapped the entire thing. Uh, they had to build upon what they already had. Mm-hmm. And they, I guess they made the right choices. I definitely think this isn't a terrible game, and uh, it's enjoyable. If you can find it, it's cheap anywhere. It's like, I don't know, I got it for 16 bucks uh, used. Yeah. I, it's a it's a solid DS game. I, I think when you when you look at the DS and the the breadth of amazing software that came out for that, it's it's one of the ones that you know might be able to be passed up, and that's okay. It's but just some games game. get antiquated faster than others. Like GoldenEye is probably the best example of it now. Like mm-hmm. everybody loved GoldenEye back in the day. And now when we look back on it and see other games that have surpassed it as far as first-person shooters go, right. it's like, wow, what were we even thinking? Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it, it's terrible controlling. It absolutely is. I really still like a lot of the single-player elements of, of GoldenEye, though. Yeah. I, you know, if I had an N64 I, <laughs> that wasn't stolen, <laughs> I'd go back and play GoldenEye just to, you know, try that again. Yeah. And definitely have tons of great... You know, moments playing multiplayer with friends, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you move on and you find, like, okay, some things, you know, hold up to the test of time. Uh, like, say, Legend of Zelda, Links of the Past, or um, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas or something like that, you know. And others, like, you know, just don't. Yeah. Uh, like right. GoldenEye. And Metroid Prime Hunters, uh, I'd say, you know, it might actually skirt the line in between those it just might be a curiosity that like proof of concept it can work and we're not going to talk about it anymore (laughs) yeah i'd agree uh and what's really interesting to me is that um for my i've got my playstation vita and uh and one of the playstation plus games that was uh on discounted uh a little while ago maybe a month or two ago was uh kills on mercenary which is a first-person shooter for the for the Vita um, that is not that awful garbage Call of Duty thing, declassified or whatever that was that everyone. I think they really would get hated. that right. Yeah, you'd think, but they apparently that was garbage. Um, but uh, Killzone Mercenary, while not complete garbage, really makes me appreciate a game like Metroid Prime Hunters even more because uh, I I still do not feel like it it controls well or is fun to play. And that might just be because I don't think Killzone in general is fun to play or good. <laughs> um, That's interesting because I heard, like, people who are not Killzone fans or who are Killzone fans say, if you don't like Killzone, you should really try. If you have a Vita, you should try uh, the new one. And I just heard, like, it's better than the mainline game right now on PS4. I mean, it, it might be. Uh, it's just it's hard to... Uh, there's so much weight to everything, and things take too long to. It, it just there's such a heft to the guns, and I guess that's there's something interesting about that. But then I also just feel like I'm kind of a bullet sponge because I'm getting shot a bunch while I'm trying to get my weapon up, and then all the enemies are bullet sponges, and we're just trading back these pellets back and mm. forth until one of us finally goes down. Uh, eh, I mean it was it was cheap. Uh, at least with the discount, so I, I feel yeah. good about that. If you want to play a really good uh, uh, PS Vita game, though, you should go get Luftrausers that just came out this last week uh, by Vlambeer, the same guys who did uh, Ridiculous Fishing. Uh, that is an awesome oh, this game. is their uh, their next next game. Yeah, it is a uh, it is a it's a shooter. Uh, you're it's a dog fighting kind of game. Uh, it's got a really limited color palette and. Uh, and very customizable. You have a uh, different weapons for the for your plane, different body types, and different engines. And uh, then you get different challenges based on the builds of planes that you put out there. Uh, and it it can be really hard, uh, but it is really fun. The physics are awesome, uh, and I, I love it. And Vita, I would say, is obviously the way to play it because I'm a I'm a handheld gaming show. But it's also on PC, uh, PS3, and I think PS4 as well. Um, but that that is a fantastic game. Anyway, uh, so Metroid Prime Hunters, quirky, half halfway good, kind of interesting. Uh, not halfway. It's a good game. It's a good game. It's a good game. Uh, it it'll be lessened a little bit when the the Wi Fi connection goes down, and you will not be able to have some of that functionality that was there before. Uh, 
I know it's interesting. Like as Mark McDonald said, like uh, you know, it's only Wi-Fi only. Well, now <laughs> now it doesn't really have a choice, right? Uh, but I mean, the bot matches are still okay, and, and in terms Wi-Fi. of. You can, and it has single cart as well, mm-hmm. so if you're the only one with a copy, you can still break out the 3DS, and it's backwards compatible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fancy that. Next gen, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen too often that we're getting those backwards compatible games. But I, I like it. Anyway, uh, let's move on to, to one little uh, bit of business before we call it a day. Um, right now, it's March. It's late March, uh, and uh, April is coming up. And when April comes up, that means PAX East is coming up in Boston. Matt Jaguer, you are in the Boston area. I am. I'm going to PAX on Friday and Saturday. Nice. Didn't go Sunday pass. Uh, missed out. Yeah. Although, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, there's a might be something, you know, snag another pass, but who, who knows? Definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm glad it's not in March this year because... It, it's been a shitty, shitty weather-wise, March. Yeah, yeah. It's getting better here in uh, St. Louis, but uh, uh, I, I can the, imagine the northeast. We had, we had is... snow the first day of spring, so hey, again. Uh, no. <laughs> fucking groundhog saw his shadow. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, blame the groundhog. <laughs> sure, um, blame the groundhog. So, yes, you will be in Boston. I will also be in Boston going oh, to PAX hey, East for the, uh, for the third time uh, in a row. Uh, I have passes for all three days. Uh, we're going to try to figure out a way to uh, uh, do some shows, go around on the floor. Maybe just one show. I don't know. It depends on how many handheld games are out there to see. I remember last year, uh, Guacamelee was out uh, out there to play. Uh, I think that was a PS3 version, but still, uh, there, there are some handheld cool. uh, mobile games mm-hmm. usually uh, in the far corners of the. Expo Hall. Yeah, I can't remember if it was... Yeah, it must have been last year. Uh, that was uh, when I uh, met Patrick Hackett uh, from Double Fine and got to play Drop Chord. Mm. And, uh, and then... Oh, you we, got to play it on the Leap, too, right? Yeah, I played it with the Leap. Yeah. And then uh, and then when it came out for, for iPhone, we were able to get him on the show, and that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that was because of PAX East uh, mm. and meeting people that way. So I'm hoping to do some more of that. Uh, we got I got a whole fresh thing of business cards that I that I put on the Twitter. If you saw that, we have a whole new branding for for gamers on the go. Yeah, very uh, nice. We're gonna we're gonna try we're gonna try a go at this again and uh, and see what we can find. So uh, we'll be we'll be looking on the show floor for some for some cool handheld stuff and uh, and we'll try to put together something at the end. Maybe even just talking about PAX East in general because. I have no idea, honestly, where the big games at PAX East this year. It's been very uh, kind of hush-hush. Yeah. Uh, I mean, last year... Uh, it's all going to be headset, like head VR. God, I hope not. Oh. I'm not going to go anywhere near. I know like people are like, oh, yeah, it's fun. Like, I really want to try them, but fucking pink eye, man. Yeah, I don't... That's not where I want to try that stuff. Uh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I don't... I'm I don't really like the whole VR thing. thing anyway, but yeah. this, I don't know. I'm not ready to burn my eyes with uh, hand sanitizer in my eyes. <laughs> to make sure yeah. I, don't, I, I don't catch the glaucoma. But you're right. I don't think I don't think there's uh, really at least buzz for That's big games that will be showing that. Conjunctivitis, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <you're, laughs> wrong eye infection. Wrong eye, uh, wrong eye infection. My bad. Um, but uh, yeah, like last year, uh, what was the the not sequel to Bastion, but the next game that Super Giant's doing? Uh, oh yeah, correct. So I yeah, I forgot too. But that game was huge there. Uh, Double Fine. DuckTales was, was huge there. DuckTales remastered. Yeah. Um, uh, Monster Hunter Three had a couple Wii U setups and, and 3DS setups for it. Uh, last bus, although it's not handheld, that was big. But yeah, there was a Last of Us. There was Assassin's too, Creed so. Four there too. Um, so I, I have no idea what they're going to be showing this year. I don't, uh, I don't even know what like the big announcements are. Like last year was the Blizzard announced Hearthstone, and I remember uh, uh, my friend he walked out when they made the announcement. Yeah. Waited in line for what he thought nothing, and now Hearthstone is like the next big the big shit right now. I guess. Yeah, and I I went to the Irrational panel or not Irrational. I went to the Two K Games uh, panel. Where uh, they showed off, uh, or not 2K, fuck. Who, who made XCOM? 2K's in part of it. Oh, uh... 2K's the publisher, but it's, uh... Firaxis. Yes. So, uh, I went to the Firaxis panel where they, where they showed off, uh, or they teased, 
uh, XCOM Enemy Within, uh, and then showed off a new expansion for, for Civ uh, 5 as well. So there's always cool stuff to do. Uh, I know we, we're going to go to some panels, uh, hopefully a couple of them together. Uh, yeah. gi- Giant Bomb panel is always great um, oh, yeah. that we've gone to before. Uh, so... Uh, we'll be there. We'll we'll do some. We'll do a show from the from the uh, from Boston and uh, and get something in there. But um, I'm looking forward to it. It's always a good time, and it's great to to see some of the people I don't normally get to see, such as Matt Jagger. Yeah. So that'll be nice. Anyway, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, would you like to uh, plug any of your stuff uh, before we head out? Uh, go to serialpop.com. I do a show, Shuffled. It's a music podcast. I play a lot of different kind of music, so I just did a show about South by Southwest, even though I didn't go to South by Southwest. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, just check it out. Check out Unoriginal Soundtracks, which Alex Martin does, and that's video game-related. It's mm-hmm. music podcast, which takes a video game, puts uh, music that's based around the theme or things that happens in the video game, and makes a music playlist out of it. It's excellent. That is a really cool idea. I, I mean, it's it's not something that I listen to week to week, but uh, when, when it has a game that I really like uh that to to see to listen to music that kind of fits that theme that's a really cool idea it's one that i that i slapped my head and thought oh why didn't i think of that that was really check, good check out the uh assassin creed 4 uh one even if you haven't played oh, really? the game. Oh. it doesn't really spoil a whole lot of is anything there, is there some so, sea shanty kind of stuff going on oh there's some great there's just some great music going on oh, that one man. you should definitely sounds, check it out that sounds good that sounds good i need to get on that well cool and then uh do you, do you want to put out twitter too uh, Jiggy Sun, G I G G Y S A N, all one word. Yeah. I, I do the most random shit on the internet. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's anything. Yeah, uh, it's and whatever. as as for uh, gamers on the go, it's a uh, GOTG podcast. That's our uh, that's our Twitter handle. Uh, you can also do G, uh, GOTG podcast at gmail dot com. Facebook is facebook dot com slash GOTG podcast. Um, and then uh, our, our website, of course, uh, it goes on Tumblr, but it's uh, gamersonthego.com. So you can go there and uh, and see all of our episodes that we've put up there and uh, and some other random handheld Tumblr-y game shit that I find and like. Uh, a lot of it comes from Matt because he, he also is very <laughs> good at like coming around the internet for that stuff. Uh, so, I mean, it's... It's either something with mushrooms or it's something with handheld games. And, and so I try to reblog the things with handheld games. <laughs> I have a lot of the other kind of mushrooms. Don't follow me on Tumblr. You won't like the shit I reblog. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thanks, Matt. Play Metroid Prime Hunters. It's kind of cool. I wish I could turn into a murfing ball and roll out of the bathroom from here instead of having to stand up. <laughs> thanks, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, shit. All right. Thanks, guys. too long since i've done one of these i i mean i know it's been so long that i'm actually recording this off of a, a new mac oh really yeah not mine uh it's my mom's but <laughs> okay still i kind of i kind of nudged her like maybe you should get a mac for your next computer <laughs> also because uh, it's all in one and pretty much idiot free <laughs> yeah well if you want to know like how long it's been since there's been an episode of gamers on the go um flappy bird wasn't a thing Flappy Bird wasn't a game the last time I recorded an episode. Hey, if you just waited a little longer, Flappy Bird would be a game, and it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm I'm considering, like, now that he's kind of going backpedaling and saying, well, it might, it'll come back out, and it'll be a new version, and just, I, I'm really wondering what's going on in that guy's head that he would take it down for his very specific reasons, and now he's bringing it back. But his reasons haven't changed, so oh, I, who knows? I don't know. Uh, so I kind of want to do an episode on Flappy Bird and just kind of discuss why people would like that game in, in the yeah. first place. I mean, it's you know, people say it's a terrible game. It's not really a terrible game. It's just you know, it's simple. And yeah, people find it really addictive. It's, 
Now, like my my big question on that is why would people uh, like really hate on Flappy Bird that much, but then be totally cool with a game like Super Hexagon, which more or less is the same thing. There's a difference, though. Uh, not everyone has played Super Hexagon, and just about everybody has played Flappy Bird. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. Uh, but, I mean, do you think people would be that pissed if, if Super Hexagon became super big and, and got Flappy Bird-like status? I don't know. I mean, Flappy Bird just caught this wave of just, like, social media and everything with, like, you know, Vine, Tumblr, YouTube, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Super Hexagon had a little bit of that. You know, going on Twitter and, you know, when that was a really big thing, at least in the circle of, like, it was mostly gaming circles that is really the thing. I still haven't played Super Hexagon. Right. I I played it a little bit, but, yeah, it's not, neither of those games are my cup of tea, so I didn't play either of them a whole hell of a lot, but. But it's, like, even when you just, like, compare to, like, the popularity of Flatbird, it doesn't even compare. And you just, like, look at how many clones there are right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You, You don't see that many Super Hexagon clones. Right. I mean, I think part of it, too, is that, you know, with with Flappy Bird, you have a very, uh, it looks Chase. it looks like a casual game. And Chase, I don't think you understand. There's a farting pug Flappy Bird clone, uh, where you're a pug that farts. Uh, it's way, no, it poops. It poops. It doesn't fart. It poops. Great. It's way in between the two pipes or whatever oh, the things that, you know. God. And didn't, I think uh, I saw some image on Twitter that Epic was showing off stuff about uh, Unreal Engine 4. And they made their own Flappy Bird clone to, quote-unquote, show off the power of Unreal Engine 4. Mm. Uh, God damn it. Anyway. Better than a meat cube. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. <laughs> anyway. Um, so this is this has been three good minutes of material right here. I should I know, I should you should have been recording this shit. I, I have been recording this shit. So Excellent. I can go right in and say, hello everyone and welcome to Gamers on the Go.